What is up? And welcome in. It's another edition of 10,000 Pitches, a podcast devoted to everything Minnesota soccer and beyond. Part of the SodaSoccer.com network of podcasts. My name is Jeremy Rushing. Alongside me, as always, contributor to SodaSoccer.com and Minnesota soccer uh, seasoned veteran writer, Mr. Dominic Jose Bazonio. Dom, how you doing? I'm doing well. The uh, the weather up here took a sharp turn the last two days, and it it yeah. snowed today, so that hasn't been great. Uh, but uh, so far, so good. Yesterday, we actually had a, a brief power outage, so I'm hoping that doesn't happen tonight and interrupt the uh, recording. But uh, yeah, other than the the slight bumps with the weather, it's it's all been relatively smooth sailing. Luckily, knock on wood. We haven't gotten that in the Twin Cities here. I mean, it was kind of cold. It's been kind of rainy and miserable the last few days. Kind of feel like you're in Seattle. Um, but uh, not that Seattle's a miserable place, but it does rain there a lot. <laughs> uh, that's where I'm making the comparison. If anybody's from Seattle, uh, I'm, I, I love your city. I've never been to your city. It's one of my top cities that I have never been to that I want to go to. Um, but it does rain there quite a bit. So that's why the last few days have made me think of Seattle, not the miserableness, more the rainy, the rainy part of it. But anyways, I digress. Um, so we haven't gotten the snow, although it does seem like there is like a tradition, even here in the, in the twin cities, where if it's like mid April, you're going to get something, uh, Mm -hmm. of the snow variety. So maybe you guys got your, your mid April snow dump up there already. Maybe we're still awaiting ours down here. Maybe we'll avoid it altogether down here this year. And again, knock on wood. Who knows? Yeah, I want to hope. I know that this a uh, couple of days ago, I think there was like a snow wave that hit out west and in like North Dakota. I guess that's probably what's hitting us now. But uh, it's not too bad in Duluth. It's actually worse outside of the city in like Hermantown, Proctor, those sort of areas around Duluth. I know because the... So it's a little colder there that's in the city. It just gets a little warmer. So I, I've heard the roads are pretty rough. But anyways, um, yeah, hopefully this is temporary. And hopefully in a week or so, or we're back to what last week was like, which is like 40s, maybe 50s, sunny. Uh, I, I, I definitely preferred that. <laughs> that's like the one thing you can hopefully count on is that if, if it's April and it snows in any capacity, it will just hopefully immediately melt. Yeah. Uh, so that you can you can look forward to that potentially but anyways we do have some soccer news to get to but before we do that some housekeeping items got to uh remind you that if you have not subscribed to the podcast if you kind of sought us out and are wondering what Ten Thousand pitches and soda soccer is all about make sure you hit that subscribe button so you know when we do drop a new episode also hit us with a rating and review if you haven't as well um you can follow us on the socials we're at soda soc on facebook twitter and Instagram. Um, you can also catch post loons following every Minnesota United match as well. And that's where we'll get started here, Dom. Um, second loss in a row. This one, not quite as, uh, I'd say no loss is impressive, but this one was very much more unimpressive uh, than the loss to Seattle. One nil um, at Austin. Very boring, almost meaningless first half. Second half changes a little bit, but in the end, you really aren't able to generate much. You give up the goal to Austin, and that ultimately is the difference. Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's a tough one. 
and I think there's a lot to take away from from a result like this, you know, leading up to, I, I guess it would have been last episode when we were talking about this game, uh, at least at least for me, I re- recall talking about it as a sort of game that needed to be a statement moment for the team, a game that was very approachable, um, very draw or winnable, uh, in my opinion. And uh, so with all that in mind, then when you see how it all went, uh, it's, it, it's, it's concerning. Uh, and I also think, you know, it doesn't help that one of the main concerns coming out of this match is one of the main concerns that I think both of us have, have voiced on this podcast through the season so far, uh, which is just that never quite seems like the front half of the team has a clear plan uh, a clear and if maybe if maybe not even a clear plan because i'm sure there is a plan but a clear execution of a plan a clear line of communication on the pitch when it actually matters just felt like again it's another 90 minutes where we never quite got there uh and, and perhaps a little bizarre to see that happen in a game as you noted where uh you know we pretty much had everybody available um yeah fully fit for the first time all yeah. season so it's you know a lot of the asterisks that have perhaps floated over the other matches ironically matches that went better you know point wise uh aren't there this time and the, the defense of half i thought was 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 good as it has been uh but they did not get backed up by quality up front and that just continues to be such a big problem for this team and to me, it was the midfield that really, yeah, sure, yeah, failed this team in the end. I mean, in the instances where we've seen a lack of cohesiveness and and not a lot from the attack, at least the midfield has been there to turn the ball over, generate chances, keep the ball in the attacking third, or at least on the loon side of the of the midline. Um, that did not happen. It was it was the other way around against Austin. A lot of turnovers on Minnesota United's end. A lot of time spent on their heels. Um, and while Austin didn't generate a ton of chances, um, it really never felt like Minnesota was even able to generate solid extended possession with the ball. Um, and that ultimately, I think, you know, with, with the attacking concerns in mind that are still there, um, that was the one thing that, you know, was, I think, the ultimate difference maker in the match was the, you know, hmm. Loon's inability to win the midfield. Um, you see Amado Reynoso, a non-factor once again. Um, I even called him on the post-Loon show, and I'll say it here, and you might disagree with me. I think he was an actual liability on the field against Austin. Um, and that's something I never thought I would say about Amado Reynoso. Um, he's shown so much better than he has this year, but I think there's a point now with Reynoso, and Jacob Schneider said this on the post-game show too, where you have to really look into throwing in another option and whether that is playing with Unu and Amaria, maybe having Unu play as more of a a deeper striker role and Amaria more, maybe trying to facilitate things um, more in the mid middle, middle of the pitch. Um, whether you swap Reynoso out and throw Luden at the 10 or Fragapanian at the 10 or, or whoever, 
it just doesn't seem like Reynoso on the field is is bringing you value right now. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. It's less than median. It's mm. less than flat. It's it's almost becoming a hindrance to the team. I mean, it is a hindrance to the team. Um, so, and I think you got to send a message. I completely agree with Jacob's take. You have to send a message if you're Adrian Heath. I mean, not only does, does Amino Reynoso probably deserve to start on the bench and somebody else deserve to have that spot and see what they can do, but I think you need to change it up. And I think you need to show Reynoso that his spot is, uh, it's not given every single week that he's going to be there. He has to play to earn it. And he hasn't done that this year. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Uh, I agreed with, with, with both of you on the, on the, on post loons when you were talking about this and, and both as you, as you just kind of reviewed, they're both, you know, discussing, I mean, should this guy even be starting the next game or two? Does something drastic need to happen? I don't quite know what the reason, other than overall talent level, I don't quite know what the reason is to start him because he hasn't actually done anything yeah. other than score a penalty. You know, yeah. I mean, which to me is irrelevant in the conversation. It's not, it's not a relevant point. Um, so, and I know that he is who he is and therefore that is going to sound like a whoa thing to say, but it's not, it's not what, what, uh, what has he done to to what has he done to earn the most cemented spot in that attack? I mean, we're we're willing to experiment with every possible player for left wing right now, apparently, mm. but we aren't willing to mix it up with arguably the part of the attack that's done the least. So it it Good just point. doesn't it just doesn't seem reasonable, you know. And look. Maybe we say that maybe he has a Christian Ramirez sitting duck game against Colorado and he, you know, scores a hat trick or something. But I, that doesn't change that from what has happened so far. This is true. It just is. Um, he hasn't done the things he's supposed to do. And, uh, you know, we, we've talked about that through, through this season already um, about how this is a big year for him in terms of his long-term footprint with this team. And, and I suppose within the league as well. Um, and you know, unfortunately it's a little unfair for, for athletes, but athletes tend to be remembered most for what they do last. Mm -hmm. And, uh, if, if this is the tail end of his footprint, it's not going to be a footprint that people remember very fondly, whether or not that's deserved is not the, mm -hmm. my point, but it's, it's, you're always kind of remembered for your last season. So, um, especially if you didn't necessarily like win a big trophy at a previous season, which didn't happen. So, um, yeah, he needs to figure out what's he needs to figure out what's going on. Heath needs to figure out what's going on. Mm -hmm. And if part of that solution is him not playing games, then that has to happen too. We need to give Reynoso something to do when he scores to clap back at us the way that Ramirez <laughs> did with the sitting duck comment to Eli Hoff. So we need to we need to say something about Reynoso that he can mimic in a goal celebration. To yeah. really let, let people know that he is talking directly to us. I mean, that would be great mm. press. It was great press for to be honest, when that happened with Christian Ramirez. <laughs> so, 
I don't know if great was the word people were using on Slack, but but yes, I get what you're saying. (laughs) 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 But yes, it was definitely attention. Yeah, I don't know what it should be, but but that's a good idea. Yeah, he is a a non-moving vehicle right now. He is a stalled vehicle. That's what Emmanuel Reynoso is. He is a stalled vehicle. He's knocking so on maybe after he scores, he can put the car in drive and and I don't go. know. There you go. Little, that's the best. Yeah. That's the best. There you go. A little, little steering wheel action. Real, I real love turn, that. Yeah. There you go. Oh, so Reynoso, we got your goal celebration for when you uh, score a brace <laughs> against uh, against Colorado this weekend. Just give us the give us the steering wheel, and uh, we'll we'll know you're talking to us. But anyways, um, on a, on a more I guess I guess this is all we're talking about sports, right? So it can't be all be that serious. But at no. the same time, um, there are some things that do need to change. I think for Minnesota moving forward. Oh yeah. Um, and and I think one of those, I'm, we said it every week. I feel like who knew deserves the opportunity to be out there and show what he can do for more than twenty minutes. Yeah. Um, I also yeah. feel like uh, a change up in the midfield. Um, I think if you have a healthy Franco Fragapane, I think continuing to roll him out there and generate cohesiveness um, with that attacking front is huge. I think he has been a very underrated part of this attack. We yeah. we we talked about it extensively in our Slack chat and myself and Eli Hoffman after the first match against Philadelphia. Like Fragapane looked dangerous. After that first match against Philadelphia, he was completely pushing the pace. It seemed like every solid attacking sequence started with him coming up the left-hand side. And what I think that does is it balances out where Minnesota United's attack is coming from. Because generally they have been sort of a right-side attacking team. Um, especially when it was met Aaron Finley. Um, the overlapping play between those two, it seemed like every attacking sequence was coming from that right-hand side. So having a guy like Fragapane on the left sort of balances that out a little bit. But I think also just he himself, the way he plays, he is a very attacking-minded, uh, let's get up the field, let's move this thing, let's get out in transition, let's go type player. And I think that's kind of what – and I think Minnesota United misses that without him. Um, there's a lot of – and we saw this against Austin – specifically but i think we've saw it a lot this season where there's not a lot of forward movement with minnesota united's attack yeah if they're countering that's one thing but if they have to build attack there's a lot of side to side there's Mm -hmm. a lot of horizontal passing going on and not much much dent being made in the attack and that's where i think fragapane really kind of helps in terms of generating forward momentum with Minnesota United's attack. I think he's a great player on that left-hand side. I think he and Reynoso developed quite a, quite a chemistry last year uh, and uh, maybe even in the first match this year with each other. Um, so maybe if you don't bench Reynoso, maybe just having Fragapane back for an extended period of time can help in that regard. But that's one thing that I think will help. And hopefully he can stay healthy enough to be back and be starting um, and get a good amount of run in consistently. I think that'll help. But at the same time, you need more from Reynoso. You need more from the midfield in general. 
Um, and you need more from your striker. You need more from Luis Amaria. Um, you could argue that maybe he hasn't got quite gotten the service that he needs, but at the same time, when you sign him for what Minnesota United signed him for and the expectations that come with that, you need to score goals. He's got two, but you, but you need and expect more. And that to me is, is where if, if a change isn't made and this continues to happen, you have to start asking questions about the personnel decisions. Yeah. Uh, first on Frog de Plane, just to add to the conversation on that. Yeah, you know, he's an interesting case because it, it's a weird thing um, in that he's the, – the stats and the reality are, are very contrasting for him because – Frank Apane has had like a injury damage season so far, but he's only missed one game. Yeah. <laughs> so he's actually played every game and been on the bench for one game. So, or, mm-hmm. or he's appeared in every game except one game in which he was on the bench. So he's never been out of a game injured, but mm-hmm. for most of those games, he's either come off injured or his performance has been clearly affected by injuries suffered in a previous game. So mm-hmm. he's like there but clearly there is a, a, a form issue in terms of consistency, mm-hmm. in terms of his health. Uh, I don't know enough about uh, 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 sports science to have a full take on this, but it is interesting that he apparently is healthy enough for every game, but that every game has the same injury re- return. I don't know how that happens, but it keeps happening. And that's a concern. Um, so, but anyways, um, so to your point, we, we need to see, you know, a healthy Frogopane, as to a degree at least we saw against uh, Philadelphia, we need to see that more consistently. They, the team needs to find a way to get that more consistently, whatever they need to figure out on the on the back end to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, because surely if he's fit, that changes a lot of things. One of the issues yes. I, I mentioned earlier was just that there has been a lot of inconsistency on the left wing in terms of even who's playing there. And while I like everybody who's been playing there, uh, Fonwane, Denlati, Frogopane, et cetera, you know, it doesn't necessarily make sense to rely on some of those people in that position, you know, at a certain time. So, uh, particularly, you know, Denladi, that's not his preferred position. Bonwane, as everyone has discussed, is a very raw talent, not necessarily ready to to carry the flag for everybody yet. Having the quality of Fragapane there could change all of that. So, if if we're seeing him return to a, a healthy stint, that could be a very big positive for the future of the team. In, in these next several games uh, for the striker situation. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about this in various angles this whole season so far, but um, I, I, I still think there's not enough pressure on Am- Maria to lose minutes. I don't think that they're right now, if I'm him, which I'm not, but if I'm him, I don't feel like there's an actual serious threat to me starting every match. So uh, that's a weird situation to be in when there's like four other strikers on the roster. And I don't think that that's a good thing. I don't think that's a good thing that that's how a person would be feeling when they're not performing well. And they have like five people competing for the spot. They should not feel very comfortable in that starting position. Uh, But he has like no reason to not be comfortable because he's just literally not being even switched out, even on games where he's performing badly. So uh, whatever the solution to that is, the obvious one being Unu getting a chance or, or even Dunlady getting even, more chances. Yeah, I was going to say Dunlady too. I mean, we, are, we yeah. all heard about how Dunlady just absolutely tore up the preseason. Right. And he's back healthy now. 
but he's starting at left wing and right. he's on the bench right. and he's not, you know, really seeing much meaningful time at striker really mm-hmm. at all. And you have to wonder what's it going to take for a guy like him to get an opportunity too. Yeah. Um, Cause I think he's shown that he's deserving of it. He obviously has, um, you know, so that, that's another thing too. It doesn't even necessarily right. have to be who knew it, you have other options as well, as you mentioned. And I, I think for me, just to capital this like forward talk off, because there's obviously a lot else to talk about. I think for me, just the cap for all this is I know that this is a lot of opinions about um, only, a, a, you know, we're only so far in, but I think the concern for me, and I think the concern that a lot of people are having is that what we're talking about right now isn't this forward situation, this who's playing situation, this lack of communication or, or, or flow with the attack, whatever, you know, however you want to explain it is not eight games old. It's five seasons old. Yep. It's Adrian Heath becoming the head coach of this team old. Yep. Now that's not me saying he's the the thing that needs to get be gone rid of. I'm not saying that. I don't know what the solution to it is. That's, a potential solution but there's also many others but i do think that it's important to anchor this conversation and this isn't new this isn't people even being upset at 2021 this has literally been the topic of the team mm-hmm. forever the only the only topic before it was simply that our defense was so porous in the first like couple months of 2017 that's the only thing older conversation wise with this team than this. And so I do think that's why people are getting really hung up. There's a lot of emotion right now about this thing, the situation that the team is in. I I don't know what the solution is in terms of changing it. But when you have a team whose whole off season was basically about the front half of the pitch, I don't get how this is how you start the year. I don't get how that translates into this. Uh, So Hopefully that changes. Um, playing your infamous bogey team in the Nets match is not a great way to <laughs> to continue on that journey, but maybe that is also a good way to continue on that journey. Maybe that provides an interesting platform for that to change. Uh, it's then followed by Chicago, who have one Chicago, which have one of the best defenses in the league, which is also not great to follow it up. But again. Mm-hmm. Maybe those matches provide interesting platforms for things to change. Maybe the the Madison Open Cup match as well. But I do think that the importance of this changing is based in the fact that for folks that you know have been around, they remember having this conversation in a different decade. So yeah. that's not good. That's not a good thing for a team to have, especially in a, a league like MLS where teams can like change from like bottom of the table to the top of the table in one year because of the way rosters work here. You cannot get away with that. So, um, yeah, I you know I, I I think it's just important to to remember that as we discuss these things. Is there's a lot of deja vu here that uh, needs to be addressed. Yeah. Taking a quick water break here to tell you about our good friends over at Stimulus Athletic. And when I say friends, I 100% mean Jason Mora has been supporting 10,000 pitches since its infancy in the summer of 2020. And he's continuing to provide us that support with SodaSoccer.com. And I'm proud to say he's been 
become a good, good friend of mine. Jason used his experience as a pro all over the country, including right here at Minnesota United, to help him launch a company that can provide quality game gear and apparel at affordable prices to clubs and teams at all levels. This is a Minneapolis-based company doing great things for local, nationwide, and even worldwide clubs. Minneapolis City, Joy Athletic, Flora, Dynamo St. Cloud, Tulsa Athletic, the American Outlaws, and even the Anguian national team all use Stimulus to outfit their club with the jerseys, game gear, and apparel they need. And Stimulus can do the same for you and your club as well. It's pretty simple. Just head to StimulusAthletic.com, start a conversation with their amazing team, and let them know Jeremy from Soda Soccer sent you. Again, that's StimulusAthletic.com. Yeah, concerns carrying over year to year to year to year. Um, and I think we expected this year to sort of be a change and there hasn't been a change. And that obviously brings about a frustration. And the fr- frustration is is understandable. Um, I will also say that this team for all its struggles isn't in a terrible spot right now. Um, and they're, you know, they have time and they have proven that they can overcome bad stretches in the past. I mean, just last year. Right. So I think there is room to be patient, but you can also be frustrated hundred percent. I mean, totally understandable, the frustration, but I also think both are needed. Yep. Yeah. Frustration and patience. Frustration and patience. There you go. Maybe that's what I'll name this episode, Dom. <laughs> um, anyways, I kind of want to talk about the goal, uh, the Austin goal here. This is uh, interesting sequence. So Maxi Aruti uh, makes contact with Bakaya Debasi in the box. He goes down trying to get the penalty. Um, and this, as happens sometimes when somebody hits the deck in the box, people kind of forget about him. Um, and so the Red Sea sort of parts. And after Ruti realizes that nobody else is around him, he stands back up. Um, Austin still has possession. He gets the ball wide open in the box and puts him in the back of the net for a goal. Um, this is this is soccer. I mean, this is kind of what happens in the game of soccer. Diving is an art. It's part of the game. It's almost almost like a strategy. And uh, Maxi Ruti played that to perfection. And uh, he gets the opener, which eventually ended up being the winner for Austin. Um, just kind of a, an interesting sequence. Can't really blame anybody on Minnesota United's end um, because, you know, we've seen that happen to some of the best teams in the world. Um, but it goes against the loons and that ends up being the the one that um, takes them from getting a point to getting none. Yeah, you know, it's it's a, it's rough because, uh, you know, Matsu Ruti is obviously a very experienced player in this league and, and, mm-hmm. and just generally as an athlete. So, you know, he knows what he's doing. He knows how to do it. And, uh, yeah, you know, obviously, you know, diving is one of those topics that brings up. I mean, there's even debate about what diving is and all that sort of stuff. There, there, it's it's obviously a contentious topic for for so many people and and how they define it, how they do it. Uh, at the end of the day, what he did is 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 a smart tactic and it worked. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't have a problem with it. You know, it's one of those things like one of the most controversial, the two most controversial things in in soccer. I feel like generally are like diving and VAR. And the problem yep. is that most people hate both and decide, and but they they don't think about the fact that the two are enemies of each other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so diving only really works 
not not in the way he did it, but diving where you actually earn a call, which is the main reason you would dive. Diving only works if you don't have video review, because if you have video review, you can you can find out it's dive. So diving works in a league that is based on in the moment referee decisions. So mm-hmm. if you don't like diving at the end of the day, VAR is the most likely solution you think. If you don't like VAR, you're going to have to accept diving um, as a as a factor in the game. Um, but anyways, it was a smart play. It worked out for him. You know, like you said, I don't necessarily think any of the defense did anything particularly wrong in that situation. I mean, in retrospect, of course, maybe you think, oh, maybe if they take a step this way or that. You know, but um, not nothing. No horrible mistakes made. And we both already have kind of said the defense was quite good in this game overall, and and as was uh, Saint Clair. Uh, at the end of the day, the real problem was was what we were making out of our time on the ball. For me, yeah. The fact that that goal went in shouldn't have mattered. You know, mm-hmm. like the team should have done the work to not make that decide the game. That that for mm-hmm. me is the kind of the takeaway from all that. So, yeah, you can't come away from the game saying, "Oh, we got screwed because Maxi Aruti dove and ended up scoring a goal." Like that's that's not yeah. uh, that's that should not be a takeaway uh, from from this one from from Minnesota United fans. Um, but speaking of the defense. Um, very impressive individual performance from Michael Boxall. Um, he, I mean, he still got it, uh, header off the line in the 77th minute, kept Minnesota United back in it. A few minutes later had another very, very meaningful block, um, to keep the loons in striking distance. Um, you know, he's just been doing this for such a long time, uh, for Minnesota. Um, and you know, early in the year, you know, he's, you know, and even in this game, there was a situation where he body slammed somebody else and he's been very aggressive in the early part of 2022. And there have been questions as to, is that, you know, hurting the team more than it's helping. Uh, but uh, Boxy proved that he is still a stalwart on that, on that back line and worthy of that starting role. And even though he is part of that quote unquote aging back line that he's not quite done yet. And uh, that individual performance on Saturday really, really proved that, or Sunday rather, really, really proved that. Um, just wanted to shout that out because he he played really, really well. I mean, if there was ever a time to give a man of the match to a losing team, I think Michael Boxall might have earned it. Yeah, perhaps. Yeah, you know, uh, on the note of of the, uh, I don't mind the uh, particularly aggressive moments that we've seen a couple times this year, just in terms mm-hmm. of how he's managed certain man-to-man situations uh my concern only is well one that he maybe got a little lucky on how they got called in the moment and two that perhaps that could build up to a referee deciding to call something very differently down the line um so obviously referees are aware of what's happening um Mm. over time uh that aside that that conversation aside yeah i mean he's he's been massive this year he's been been massive every year since he joined the team um he he i i when we did that like top five favorite loons or whatever i i I had him on mine for a reason that he's had a huge impact on this team every year has been a a, you know even though he's been here the whole time joined like what i guess halfway through 2017 um been here every year even though he's technically an older piece now he's managed to kind of be part of the development every year and so that's that's very impressive and uh, i think I think you and Jacob mentioned on, on postings after that last match, you know, this is a guy that very well could end up in the world cup this, this um, yep. winter, fall, <laughs> winter. 
And, uh, you know, that that's the quality that he has. This is a really good player. And, and even though, again, yeah, his age is maybe a number that normally people would back away from a little bit when you're building a team or, or uh, fighting to, to finish high on the table, he's showing that he can do it. And uh, he, I, I don't think there's been a single match this year so far, albeit that's only, what, six matches, but where I don't think there's been a single match where I felt like he was ever the problem uh, mm -hmm. with anything that's really yeah. happened with this team at all. So um, he, he's very much continuing to show that he, he needs to be a part of this side, needs to be a starting player when, when possible. And um, it, it, for all the issues that I've talked about on the front half or the middle area of the pitch, uh, I, I am more than happy with the fact that he's continuing to, to start for Minnesota United. Uh, other positives, Joseph Rosales, really good opportunity right after halftime. Um, got a really good foot on the ball, but it was right at Brad Stuver. Um, another great performance from Kervin Ariaga as well. Um, so individually, Rosales, Ariaga, and Boxy um, did put together good performances, but obviously it didn't amount to a uh, quality team performance or quality enough to at least get a draw on the road at Austin. So um, again, you drive your second straight. Austin has kind of proven this year that they are no slouch. They are a, a, a team to watch out for. It's their third win of the season. I think their fifth win at Q2 Stadium in their last six games. Um, and that's proven to be a fortress for them. If that continues to do so, Austin may find themselves um, in the playoff picture in a very competitive Western Conference. And that's another thing to be potentially concerned about down the road. Again, it's kind of hypothetical at this point in terms of where Minnesota United could finish, but the Western Conference is proving to be very, very competitive. There are teams, you know, everybody in the playoff picture last year who we didn't maybe expect to be ahead of time um, is kind of proven that they might be right there again this year. Um, and then the teams that were left out last year that were surprises are kind of proven to be back this year in that playoff picture. And then you have a team like Austin who fits neither of those descriptions and yet they are kind of up, you know, near the top of the Western Conference, at least right now, um, looking pretty dangerous. So it's not going to be, I think, easy to make the playoffs in the West this year. So, again, just more urgency for Minnesota United to sort of figure out this, this goal-scoring situation sooner rather than later. Yeah, it, it's funny. In the last several years, a lot of the teams that are sort of the headline teams of the league have been from the East, your Atlantas, your NYCs, your, well, not now, but your Torontos in the past, um, the Philadelphia Union, I suppose, to an extent. But, uh, you know, a lot of people have felt, even in a couple of years in the past, but certainly right now, that that mid-table to the top of the West, and even, even at the bottom, every team can give you a game. It's it's a real it's a real difficult conference, and you know you look at the East. They have the the Miamis, the Cincinnatis. There's a lot of weak teams already that look like they're going to struggle for a playoff berth. I think in the West, maybe with the exception of like a San Jose who is really struggling, um, I, I think every team gives you a game, and even San Jose gives you a game uh, in, in the West right now. So it, it's it's a tough it's a tough conference to deal with, and that's going to be a, a real problem for Minnesota United also. Uh, with Nashville joining in, who of course are playoff contenders, maybe even trophy contenders. So uh, that's something that's going to have to be dealt with, but that's, that's the nature of the beast. Definitely. And uh, so we'll see uh, how Minnesota United is able to respond. Um, as you mentioned, Saturday, Colorado at home, uh, that's never a boring match. So uh, I don't expect to see anything 
close to what we saw against Austin in terms of how much of a snoozer it kind of was. Um, always fireworks, Minnesota and Colorado yeah. get together. So I don't, I don't expect anything less. That's on Saturday. And then the following Wednesday, Dom, this is very cool. So if you missed it, if you're living under a rock and you haven't heard, um, Ford Madison drawn to host Minnesota in the third round of the U.S. Open Cup at Breeze Stevens Field next Wednesday, April 20th. Um, this is something that I think when we saw the draw and we kind of saw the regional groups and who could potentially be paired together, this was kind of the dream scenario, I think. Uh, Mingos and Loons, and especially having it in Madison where the lower league team is the one hosting. Um, I think, honestly, that is more exciting to Loons fans than is than if this was at Allianz because of the nature of, you know, everybody who's a Loons fan at least knows a forward Madison. A lot of Loons fans also support forward Madison, own a kit, you know, watch matches, things like that, me included. Um, so the fact that this is in Madison, I think just adds kind of another cool element to it. And, uh, you know, there will be a strong Minnesota contingent there. Uh, Rob Chapel and I on the latest Talking Flock podcast kind of talked about how, um, you know, uh, Madison, you know, Madison's going to need to show out and get some tickets and and show up because that uh, we're already talking, you know, we're already talking about buses being booked and hotel rooms being booked and and, and things like that. Um, so definitely expect a strong loons contingent out in Madison. But I mean, no matter what the you know the the fan percentages shake out to be, just a really really cool event in Madison with Minnesota and the Mingos tangling in a meaningful soccer match in the open cup. Just very, very cool. Yeah. I think, I think this is kind of the the draw everyone wanted deep down. I know you, you guys were kind of joking about, about whether or not there was a manipulation in it, which I'm sure there was. I mean, the groups are regional, so there's, you know, but, yeah. um, but this is kind of what I think everyone wanted. And, and like you said, to have these teams face off in a competitive setting, which is, you know, there's been some interactions before, but never at this sort of stage. Um, this is what you want. This is how you build on, you know, what, what could kind of become like a brotherly rivalry between these two teams. I don't think there's ever going to be like hatred between Madison and Minnesota no. United fans, but, but you know, that, that brother, brotherly rivalry, which is apparently a hard thing to say for me, um, <laughs> that, that, you know, you can get from two cities that are not, not terribly far from neighboring States, but also kind of have a, a sense of positivity between them and friendship. So yeah, it will, it will be really great. Um, I, I think I'll honestly be pleased regardless of who even wins this game because I think there's a positive takeaway for either side for me anyways, albeit mm-hmm. I am from Wisconsin. So I, I maybe I have a more a more uh, even liking to both teams. But um, yeah, I mean, for Madison, this is a huge opportunity to maybe even win a big game against your former affi- affiliate T, whatever you call the team you were a, an affiliate of. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and for Minnesota, this is a, you know, at the end of the day, favorable in the sense that they could have drawn like a USL championship side instead of a USL league one side. This is a favorable draw. You, you hope that you can get past this without playing all your starters, move on to the next round, maybe recreate a little bit of the 2019 magic and make a deep run of the tournament. So uh, it's, it's fun for everyone. I think at the end of the day. 
We'll get right back into the episode in just a minute, but I want to talk to you about our friends over at Pence Homes. If you're on Minnesota United Twitter, you probably know who Nate Pence is. He's a diehard Loon supporter, but he's also a supporter of Minnesota soccer as a whole, just like us here at Soda Soccer. See, Nate and his team are realtors specializing in the St. Paul and Minneapolis area, and he proudly supports various teams and organizations in the Twin Cities soccer community, like Minneapolis City, our friends over at Equal Time Soccer, and now SodaSoccer.com and 10,000 pitches. Not only is Nate ingrained in the local soccer ecosystem here, he's also helped countless people in and around the Metro buy and sell their homes and has made them very happy as a result. But don't take our word for it. Just listen to what Kate W had to say. She said, quote, Nate was excellent to work with. He's down to earth, approachable, not pushy. We developed a great rapport with Nate and have already recommended him to friends. So just head to pencehomes.com to get the process started or email Nate directly at nate at pencehomes.com. That's P-E-N-T-Z homes.com. Also, make sure you let them know Jeremy from Soda Soccer sent you. Again, that's pencehomes.com, P-E-N-T-Z homes.com. I mean, it's going to be a spectacle either way. I mean, even, yeah. even if this ends 6-0 Minnesota, like it's a spectacle. It's something cool. It's something a lot of people are excited about. It's going to bring a lot of people to Bree Stevens. Um, I think it's going to really help the Madison soccer community as well in terms of, you know, bringing those casuals back. Yeah. Um, you know, Bree Stevens holds about 5,500 people. And for the home opener against Union Omaha, which we'll talk about in just a second, there are 2,600 at Bree Stevens. Um, and the think the element missing to that is kind of the, the, the casuals have sort of, um, straight away, um, for the most part, from you know attending matches on a regular basis, you have your strong contingent. The flock is always in full voice there. Um, really, really good support from a actual supporters perspective. But you also need the casuals as much as some of the some of the hardcore supporters may not like having the casuals. You need the casuals um, to be able to, you know, really fill out that community and fill out that stadium. So maybe something like this could kind of bring them back and maybe revive that a little bit for Madison, um, just from an attendance perspective and an interest in the team from the overall community perspective. Not that that's lacking in any case, but, you know, I think something like this could definitely provide a little bit of a boost and maybe get them back to where they were when they launched in 2019. Um, but speaking of forward Madison, um, they did draw the defending USL League One champs, you know, in Omaha 2-2 at home over the weekend. Goals from Audi Jepson on a penalty kick and newcomer Jeremiah Strang with a really nice goal in the second half to even things up and end up securing the draw and the point for forward Madison. Um, next up, they're at FC Tucson on Saturday before a clash with Minnesota next Wednesday. Um, Madison, two draws in league play to kick things off, but I mean, you're facing two of the best teams in the league as of last year's standings in Chattanooga and Omaha. So definitely not something to hang your head on. Um, And you put up a crooked number against a team like Omaha, which is always good. Um, So you kind of do the job early on. It's just a matter of consistency with putting up multiple goals in a game. I think that was really the, the Achilles heel of this team last year was really unable to find consistent goal scoring. Three goals in two matches is a decent start. It's just all about maybe keeping that attacking and, and forward momentum going. Yeah, it's funny. As, as you were saying all that, uh, I, the thing that popped in my head into, I feel like everything I'm going to say about this is like stuff I said about Minnesota United after like week two. Uh, but is you know, two draws against two good teams. Um, that's not a bad start. 
but you know the thing with draws always is that they're put into context by what follows right so mm-hmm. how the next couple of games go in the same way that you know the same way this happened with Minnesota United after the the Philadelphia national games um how the next couple of games go the Tucson game perhaps the open cup game and then and then the fourth or fifth league fixtures after that um how those go will deeply paint how we view these first two matches because at the end of the day, these are solid draws against good teams, showed a lot of good character, late equalizers in both. I'll be in this one a much less late equalizer and regulation time this time. Um, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Those are good things to have happen early in the season. Good show of character again, good show of ability to get into a game. But, you know, if they lose against Tucson and then they lose after the Open Cup game, then that looks a lot different. So, it just comes down to how how you use these first two experiences, how you build on it, um, and and the other thing that's at stake that you know to go to what you talked about before, and we talked about this going uh, I, well at, at, during the off season anyways, it's just that you know this is going to be an interesting year for this team. This is a big year to kind of figure out how they want to define themselves in this league in the community a little bit because there's been a lot of great attention to them, a lot of great things happening with Ford Madison, but at the end of the day how things have gone on the pitch have not been great um, or at least to the expectation that perhaps people would have uh, had for them. And, and so, you know, that, that results in changes in attendance and changes in how people are expressing themselves and, and, and all those sorts of things. So they have a big project ahead of them, obviously a lot of new people all over the team on the pitch, off the pitch, but uh, you know, there, there's plenty to be optimistic about with this side. They got a lot of matches They've literally played two of them, and uh, as long as they as long as they build on these draws, they can easily look back on them as you know really important markers on a good season. If you're looking for more forward Madison conversation, make sure you check out the Talk and Flock podcast. It's myself and Rob Chapel from Madison Three Six Five talking all things forward Madison. Um, also, an interview this week with AWO Andrew Wheeler Omiyunu, who um, is a newcomer to forward Madison, but is a former MLS Cup winner with Atlanta United back in 2018. So he's got some experience and uh, just really good conversation with Rob. So make sure you check out that latest episode of Talking Flock. Just look up Talking Flock wherever you get your podcasts. Um, one bit of news on the Forward Madison supporters front, their group, Labara 608, is selling the new uh, Serape. Serape? Is that how we're going to pronounce it? Serape, yeah. Serape kit. Um, and all of the proceeds from this kit will be going to chair the uh, charity dreamers of UW Madison, which is really, really cool. And this kit is awesome. Um, the color scheme is like in the sash on this kit, yeah, which I think cool. is kind of the coolest part of it. Um, so make sure you check them out. Just go to their Twitter at Labara 608. Um, if you want to check that out, it's a really, really cool project, really, really good looking kit. Um, and it's going to a great cause. Um, it's also sponsored by Luchador Madison. The project is as well. Um, so if you want to help out a good cause and get just add another great looking kit to your kit collection, uh, make sure you ch- make sure you check that out. Really, really good stuff. Yeah, the Labaros so have have had a lot of cool projects over the years. I, I feel like they put out some sort of shirt or kit uh, once a year. That might be wrong, but it feels like it. Um, they always put out great stuff. This is really cool. It's a cool. Um, well, it's a cool cause, but it, it's a it's a great looking kid. There's a cool connection. The serape that word is uh, the name of like a traditional 
uh, textile style that is where that sash coloring is is coming from. So that that's a cool connection um, uh, in Mexico, I believe. Which obviously there's that cultural connection behind the supporters group. And uh, yeah, it's a really cool look. Um, very matches the the Ford Madison aesthetic. You know, it, it feels like it could even be from them, but obviously it has that that little deviation, that alternative touch to it that makes it its own thing. So uh, very cool, and I definitely suggest people check it out. All right, moving on to lower league news now. Um, the Region Two uh, bracket is set for the U.S. <clears throat> excuse me, the USASA Region Two Amateur Cup. Um, six clubs from Minnesota and Wisconsin t- taking part in the Cup this year. One thing that does take a little bit of the wind out of the sails, though, is the fact that there um, is no affiliation between the UPSL and the USASA um, any longer. So. You don't necessarily get any of the UPSL Midwest uh, Conference West Division uh, teams. So the FC Minneapolis, the Inner Minneapolis, the Rochester's, um, Brooklyn Knights, you know, unfortunately, um, none of those teams, Minneapolis City too, um, none of those teams will be eligible to compete in the Amateur Cup because uh, UPSL is not a part of USASA any longer. So FC Minneapolis making that dream run to the uh, Cup final last year. Um, they won't get a chance to kind of get back on the pitch and do that, unfortunately. But a uh, couple MASL clubs will be featured. Um, Vlora. Now you may be thinking Vlora. Well, they're in the UPSL. Um, it'll be their MASL team. That is in the uh, Amateur Cup this year. Um, and they will be hosting Red Star from Wisconsin. And then the other MASL team, St. Paul FC, hosts Milwaukee Superstars as well. Um, fellow Wisconsin clubs in Milwaukee, Bavarians, and United Serbs will enter in round two. So they get they get a bye and both will host. So um, still some Minnesota and Wisconsin flavor in the Amateur Cup this year, but not to the level that we're normally used to. Yeah, and unfortunately, you know, we there's therefore less chance of that that great run that FC Minneapolis made last year that I, I recall you you followed very closely. And that was really fun to mm-hmm. to track. But you know, there's some very good teams in here. Milwaukee Bavarians are always like an absolute beast in whatever they do. So there's always a chance we see them uh, do some some sort of run here. United Serbs are also a, a historic organization now in Wisconsin that that you know who knows what they put together, but. Uh, great to see at least that the tournament will be present in, in, in both states, that there's actually going to be some games in Minnesota as well, which is great. And uh, hopefully mm-hmm. some or any of, of these teams, you know, stay in it for a while and, and we have a, a narrative to ride along as the, as the tournament progresses. Minnesota Aurora revealing, well, it's going to be, it was, you know, labeled as a kit reveal. It turned out to be a kits reveal for the 2022 season. Um, so um, I'm going to get the names of these correct. So, um, you get the home and away and a goalkeeper kit. Um, and I am unprepared as far as the names of the kits. So give me a second, bad podcasting here. Go for it. All right. So we've got the Northern lights kit, which is, uh, the, the darker main kit, uh, that dark blue with the sort of lighter blue lines across it. There's a sort of star background. It's Northern lights. The second kit is the Constellation kit. That's the lighter blue. Still has that sort of star pattern on it. And then the uh, the third kit, the Goalkeeper kit, is that that orange kit you see that uh, is more like what we're used to with Goalkeepers now, a different color and uh, a little bit separate from the pattern. But uh, 
So th those are the three that we've got, and those are the, the names are aptly connected, of course, to the Aurora theme and the Aurora name of the team. Mm -hmm. um, I I really like them. I I think my favorite, and I feel like a lot of people's favorite, is going to be that main Northern Lights one, the the darker yes. hit with that that lining, that sort of space thing going on. I just think that's really cool. I think it's really cool, and it doesn't even have to have anything to do with the team's name, but it does actually match up very well with like the general theme of the of the club. So. It, it really does. And it's, it's unique. It's not a kit design that you see, or even a pattern that you see in a kit, but it works so well with this kit. Um, and it just sort of plays along the lines of this team's unique branding and just the way they've been able to do things. It seems like the right way uh, from a marketing perspective ever since they launched and you know, being unique and being new and being cutting edge and on the forefront and that Northern Lights kit, as you mentioned, really does sort of play into that as well. Um, the Constellation kit, very, very cool too. Um, if it wasn't for the Northern Lights kit, I mean, this one is 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 very, very unique and cool in its own right. And then that orange goalkeeper kit rounds it out. So um, kudos to Minnesota Aurora for putting on such uh, a, a great event for this at the Mall of America. Uh, but also, you know, delivering with um, three great looking kits. And obviously kudos to Cassidy Sipniski as well. Um, she's been the mastermind behind uh, all the Ford Madison kits that, you know, you've probably grown to love in the past. Um, well, she helped with these. And it's not a surprise because she helped with these that these turned out the way they did. Just really, really quality stuff. And um, yeah, I'm sure they've already sold a lot of them. And I'm sure they will continue to sell a lot of them because these are these are very well done yeah i mean uh i've been saying this for a while i think we've both been saying this for a while but i've been saying this for a while i'm gonna keep saying it i think that uh minnesota aurora are probably going to be by far like literally no competition the best design team in this league for the first yes. couple of years they're they're and they're probably going to force a lot of teams either teams that are joining at the same time or teams that are, are joining as years progress probably going to force a lot of those teams to kind of reconsider their their design goals and their expectations of design because this is you know we we've joked about it from way before even all of this was out but this is like professional level design i mean it is professional level design mm -hmm. but in the sense that it reminds me of a professional team uh this is like professional level you know this this feels like a kit that i should be seeing in the, in the nwsl yeah, uh or, or or the you know english super league or something you know it, it's 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 a really really great look it continues that line of the great merch the great badge and, and and so on so um and and i love again that they're trying to make sure there's like that minnesota connection with all of it with obviously the players and all that but also northern lights and, and all those little details so um yeah again just they, they knocked it out of the park then i'm sure they're going to just continue to do that forever and just make us continue to repeat ourselves over and over again <laughs> and fork over more money to buy more of those. Yeah, things. that too. That too. <laughs> All right, you can call this our 10K coffee break because it's time to tell you about our friends over at Night Street Soccer and Coffee. Derek and his team at Night Street have been so great to us and we hope you can support them the way they've done for us over this past year. Night Street is part indoor soccer facility, part coffee shop. You heard me right. You can get a pickup game in and get your espresso fix all in the same place how cool is that i have to say i was lucky enough to sample some of the coffee you can get at ninth street my goodness it's some great stuff derek is one hell of a barista i'll just say that 
Affordable weekly pickup is always available at Night Street. You can reserve the field for your team, party, or group outing. And they always have something cool going on at Night Street, including Minnesota United watch parties happening periodically for road games throughout the season. So make sure you check them out on IG and Twitter at Night Ninth Street MPLS. That's Ninth and Street, both spelled out. N I N T H S T R E E T M P L S on IG and Twitter. Look them up on Facebook and Google, or visit their website, NinthStreetMPLS.com. Just like the uh, social handles, N I N T H S T R E E T M P L S.com to sign up for pickup, reserve field time, or just learn all about our good friends over at Ninth Street Soccer and Coffee. 801 South Ninth Street, Minneapolis, or online at NinthStreetMPLS.com. Uh, so very, very cool. Again, congratulations to Minnesota Aurora on a great event. And um, now we're, I believe, a little bit over a month, a month and a week away from that USLW League season starting, which is pretty crazy to think about that it's it's right around the corner. Um, so we'll get to see those kids in action and they're finalizing rosters and things like that. So um, after all the buildup and all the hype and the announcements and the unveilings, we're just about at go time for, for Minnesota Aurora and, of course, the rest of the lower league soccer scene, too. So um, it's about to get very busy and very exciting around here for sure. Yeah, without a doubt, everything's, everything's gearing up. Uh, it's, it's always that exciting time of the year for people like myself who've been done themselves very involved in this, in this world. Everything's, it's, it's funny. I, I almost forget every day and then realize every day just how, how close the matches, the uh, you know, player announcements, all that stuff, how close everything is. So uh, it's very exciting. It's going to be exciting to see this. I mean, we're, we're in, obviously all the NPSL, UPSL, all that stuff is exciting, but it's also exciting that in, in, the, in the USLW League, we have a brand new project to learn about, a brand new team to learn about. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, again, really looking forward to, to what this summer has to, has to provide. All right. Speaking of the NPSL North, the 2021 Mr. Soccer in the state of Minnesota, Sadiq Mohamed Jabate signs for Minnesota Twin Stars. Um, you know, of course, they are returning to the NPSL for 2022, and this is a big signing for them. Um, getting 2021 Mr. Soccer Minnesota on their roster. Um, and this is in addition to a few other impressive signings, you know, D1 talent and things like that joining twin stars for 2022. So um, they are joining not to just get back in the league, but to get back near that top of the table in the NPSL North. Um, and this, this is just another really, really marquee signing to, to further that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, when, when, when we talked about the announcement, they were coming back, you know, I, I mentioned, of course, this is a team that's always been very competitive, very dangerous to play uh, when they were in the NPSL before. And uh, some of the signs they've been announcing, you know, indicate to me that's just going to continue to be the case. They got some young guys uh, coming in with a lot of his talent, a lot of skill, a lot of potential. They've got some NPSL veterans coming in as well, uh, guys that actually have played for the Twin Stars before, played for other teams before. Uh, they're, they're building a really nice group here. So uh, I, I think this is definitely going to be a team that, that all the big boys are going to have to worry about playing. Uh, it's not going to be an easy team to play. And uh, and great to see that, you know, as one would expect, it's always been their history, but great to see that continuation of a focus on, on Minnesota talent, young guys, helping people develop to the next step. 
um, as I'm sure, you know, uh, any Mr. Soccer would like to have as they progress in high school and out of high school. So, uh, yeah, great signing. Really interested to see what he does this year. And Jabate, not the only Mr. Soccer to play in the NPSL North. He joins three other former Minnesota Mr. Mr. Soccer winners, Dom, to be in that conference this season. He does. It's 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 interesting because it's I suppose it's a good endorsement of of that award in the sense that it really does reflect guys that, that go on to do it uh, beyond high school. Uh, the 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 big one that has been in the NPSL North literally since inception is is Whitney Brown who won it um, in two thousand eight I believe I don't have the number in front of me but I believe it's two thousand eight uh, and and of course has done big things with Minneapolis City and Joy Athletic. But then uh, 2018, uh, Taib Benjafar is actually on the Twin Stars as well. And 2020, Zach Susi um, is with Minneapolis City, actually played in their Open Cup game against Des Moines as a substitute. So uh, there's, there's a lot of uh, – and, and there's actually a bunch of other guys that aren't playing anymore, but like Justin Oliver or some other guys. There's, there's been a long connection, long history with that Mr. Soccer Award, the single-A and the double-A version, and the MPSL North. So great to see that continue and, and hopefully – each new generation of Mr. Soccer that gets to be part of that um, sees the same benefits that that the older guard have gotten from the NPSL. Whitney Brown, of course, uh, plays for Joy Athletic, and um, they sign nine more NPSL players for 2022. Austin Plumhoff, Mila Folstad, and returnee Philip Caputo, also um, all from St. Cloud State, excuse me. Also, Bennett Kwame and Tucker Mann from St. Thomas, also joining Joy. Um, and then filling out their WPSL roster as well, uh, Sam McGurgan, Kendra Rust, Catherine Ashley, uh, Zeta Thurow, and Emily Ellington all joining the women's side as Joy Athletic debuts their WPSL team this summer. So, and, and all Minnesota natives there on the WPSL side too. So just continuing to bolster rosters we kind of mentioned that this is sort of the time where these things get filled out just about a month away from the season um so cool to see local talent continuing to be added to these npsl rosters but also another thing to add on the joy athletic front this is pretty cool so they um also have a futsal team which plays in the national futsal premier league um they have been doing really well in the regular season in the nfpl this year um, and they enter the playoffs as the number two seed. And the first round against Cadence of Chicago happens Saturday night, and that's at 8 p.m. at their new facility in Woodbury. So um, a lot of things happening on the joy front with the NPSL, the WPSL, but also the NFPL playoffs. Yeah, they are a busy organization. <laughs> that's <Yeah>. just that's <laughs> just the older age range stuff they're up to, by the way. They, have, yeah. <laughs> they also have obviously all the youth stuff, but... Yeah, I mean, lots of good stuff coming out of Joy right now. Um, the the futsal Premier League stuff is very exciting. Obviously, that's a big part of the passion behind their project is futsal. So um, fitting, but also great to see that they are finding success on that national level uh, in the game of futsal. Uh, on the MPSL note, of all those signs, all of which are very encouraging, uh, the, the one that stands out to me as like a great returnee is Caputo. He... Whitney Brown and Emmanuel Iwe were many times last year, sort of the, that front three that made Joy the exciting team that they were in 2021. Mm -hmm. Obviously, Iwe is not coming back, which is great for his professional career, not so great for, for Joy, who are missing one of the best players from last year. But the fact that they got Kudo and Brown back 
uh, to, to mix in with all the other guys they have coming in. Uh, I think it's still very promising for, for, for them going into 2022, which is going to be a big year for them now that they've gotten a lot of the growing pains out of joining the NPSL North. So uh, yeah, a lot of great stuff and, and, and joy have a, like many teams at this level have a great dedication to local talent. So great to see a lot of guys come in out of local high schools or colleges uh, joining in and, and getting great experience and, and women as well. Gained great experience uh, this summer, just developing as athletes. Duluth FC, as uh, you know, we're talking about, you know, local talent, Minnesota talent, um, you know, Western or East Western Wisconsin talent uh, entering the NPSL in 2022, the NPSL North Duluth FC sort of following that trend. Uh, Jake Starling, Scott Wilson, uh, Martin Griswa, uh, Brennan Daly and Duluth born Keegan Chastley all return uh, Duluth native Aaron Olson, who's the son of an original DASL Duluth FC squad member signs um, after spending 2021 with the Academy. And then you have Blake Perry, Alex Paredes um, and Harry Ambler joining from UW superior um, and UW superior commit and superior native Jake King, Jake kid, excuse me, also signing as well. So, um, you know, even more than the Minnesota angle being worked with Duluth here, just very hyper local to um, you know that Duluth, uh, northern Minnesota, northwestern Wisconsin sort of area um, joined in the Blue Greens for 2022. Yeah, for sure. You know anybody that's that's up here in, in the Twin Ports area knows that Superior is a big part of Duluth's soccer scene, and Duluth is a big part of Superior's soccer scene. That's just the nature of it. Particularly when you think about the fact that UWS, of course, has one of the more prominent men's soccer programs in the area. Uh, it's just in a, and Superior High School actually also as well. Uh, you know, it, it's just it's just the nature of, of the area. So there, there's that clear connection, and I think these are a lot of good signings for Duluth. Um, I, I know that this year and in the future there was there is a uh, deep interest uh, with the coaching staff to move in a, in, a, in a more local direction. The way the team was when they first entered the NPSL. Uh, in the first two years, there was a very strong local connection, less so in 2019. 2021, it kind of got back a little more local, and now they're, they're trying to find that that great happy medium with all that, I think, this year. That's that's how I am seeing it. So these are these are some really great – the returnees are great. They're all – a lot of them are defenders in back line. Valley uh, is a goalkeeper. So there's going to be a lot of consistency in the back, which has probably been one of the bigger weaknesses of Duluth over the years, just lack of consistency with returning players. That's not less of a problem this year for the back line, which is great. Uh, and yeah, that, that local connection is awesome. Aiden Olson joining in, that that helps the, the history around the team grow as, as the son of a founder of the team. Um, and then these UWS signings, uh, including Scott Wilson, who was with the team last year and, and played for UWS, uh, are all really great. Uh, Blake Perry is, is a great one on a local note. He's a he's a fan favorite up here for a lot of people, um, just as like a UWS star. He's UWS's leading goal scorer. Um, he is a phenomenal player and and has been a huge part of the recent success in, in the UMAC. Um, I, I've seen him play in person at the UMAC final where he scored like five minutes in to basically determine the entire match. He's a he's just one of those guys is magic on the pitch, a little bit of a wild card in the sense that he just kind of does things his way, but uh, tends to be very successful in doing that. So really interested mm -hmm. to see how he fits into this NPSL level in the sense that I've never seen him play in it. But uh, I think all these guys uh, are, are going to be really interesting to see 
compete for minutes with everybody else and, and, and bringing that more local connection to this team. Uh, and it's great that there's going to be more returnees also, by the way, in the sense that those guys in a way are local, you know, Jake Starling, for example, this is his third yeah. year with the team. <clears throat> you know, this isn't a new place for him. He's not from here, but he's also not a stranger. So yeah. great to have a group that feels a little more Duluthy and a little more twin ports uh, this year than maybe in some other years. And uh, very interested to see how, how Sean Morgan guides them through 2022. All right, last thing to wrap it up here on this week's episode of 10K. Thank you all for listening. Um, so the Timberwolves, everybody's talking about the Timberwolves today. On Wednesday as we record, they clinched playoff spot with their play-in game win over the Clippers. Um, a lot of talk about their celebration afterwards. And while maybe it was a little bit over the top, I'm, you know, I don't think it's uh, terrible to just let people enjoy things uh, personally. But... Um, Sort of took me back, Dom, to 2019 um, and uh, the primetime match against Sporting Kansas City. Um, there was a late goal scored by one Hassani Dotson. Uh, the call of a lifetime by Cal Williams. Hold that back page. And uh, that goal from Dotson sent the Loons into the playoffs, clinching their first MLS playoff spot in club history um, in 2019 and to do it over sporting Kansas city, extra special. Um, I was lucky enough to be at that game. What an atmosphere and environment that was. Um, and just, I think one of those moments where you look back on the first five years of Minnesota United, that is definitely a contender for top moment in Minnesota United's MLS tenure. Um, just absolute elation for a team who really, I don't think a lot of people expected them to even be in that position as early as 2019. And yes, they were, and they took advantage of it. Dotson scores the late goal and the place goes nuts and they clinch a playoff spot. Um, just watching that Timberwolves game last night, it took me back to that night at Allianz, just something I think I'll never forget. Yeah, uh, well, congrats first off, of course, to the Timberwolves, uh, and and hopefully more to be to be grateful for as as the playoffs continue. But um, yeah, that that twenty nineteen that's that Kansas City match was was absolutely wild, and and I completely agree that it's one of the matches of one of the defining matches of this team in, in MLS without a doubt. Um, I I wish I would have been there. It's great that you were. My one of my, my one of my favorite memories of attending a Minnesota United match is it was against Kansas City. That was uh, 2017 when we beat them 2-0. It was a bit shocked because we were <laughs> not very good that year. Um, but um, yeah, I mean that that was a great result. One of the great moments in Dotson's time as as well with the team and and part of his uh, part of his uh, legacy in the meme world as as a Bainers only player. But um, but uh, yeah, you know, to the I, I don't know a lot about basketball to be perfectly fair, but I, I do my quick take on the people that were being very critical of the Timberwolves celebration thing is look, there's really no need for that. It's a big moment. A bunch of people just worked hard for something that, that means a lot to them. When I when I hear people criticize that stuff, it, it makes me think of like it's a little different, but it makes me think of like when when Milwaukee won uh, the the title, what was it, a year ago? And people were playing back all those news reporters or ESPN personalities talking about how, like, no big player would ever want to go live in Milwaukee or, you know, whatever. There was some, yeah. I'm paraphrasing, but there was uh, 
some hot takes made about living in the Midwest by TV personalities that didn't look great after the Bucks uh, won at all. And it's just, you know, there's unfortunately that kind of stuff tends to get said about teams in this part of the country, I think in general, whether it's celebrating a result or a player going there, there's just a sort of a, a general assumption made about what's going on in those sorts of markets that I think is very unfortunate, but you know, look, you, you should be able to celebrate a big, a big result. Um, Timberwolves are not a historically successful franchise. So if they can't celebrate this, I don't really know what you're expecting them to be able to celebrate because it's not necessarily like they're going to be uh, lifting trophies every year. So, yeah, congrats to them. And in the off chance that any member of the Timberwolves roster listens to this podcast, don't worry about anything that people on TV are saying about you. You did great, and you get to celebrate when you do things great. Anyone trying to gatekeep joy is the one with the problem. Yeah, that's ridiculous. That's all I'm going to say. Also, you have to have like not to go on this, you know, down this rabbit hole, but you also have to have the context of like being a Minnesota sports fan too. Yeah, like yeah, you know the however many 19 straight playoff losses for the Twins. Uh, the Minnesota Wild have one playoff series win, I believe, in their entire uh you know time of yeah. uh being a franchise the Wol- timberwolves have made the playoffs once in like 21 years or 18 years or whatever it is um not a lot of success uh outside of the links really for minnesota professional sports uh so when something like this happens yeah people in minnesota might overdo the celebration just a little bit that's because there's not freaking a lot to celebrate when you're a Minnesota sports fan. Let's say that right now. So, um, you know, celebrate all you want, enjoy things, you know, be happy. You know, I think that's part of being a sports fan and even an athlete yeah. is when your hard work is validated, enjoy it. Right. And, and Hey, you know, what? it's not it's your girlfriend, yeah. do whatever you got to do. Yeah. It's not the terrible. My way of looking at it is, I don't even think it was over overreact uh, overreaction over celebration. I think it's not the Timberwolves' fault that certain people on the East and West Coast have become numb to enjoying moments and enjoying enjoying things simpler than the one big goal. So it, it, again, I, I I think that it's great to celebrate a win. I think it's great to celebrate a regular season win. Yeah. I, I mean, just what what's the point of all this if you don't get to enjoy? Exactly. Go well. Exactly. I mean, what's the point of it? So you know, whatever. They're they're kind of acting like they destroyed the whole place or something. The guy stood mm-hmm. on a thing. Whatever. I mean, it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't that crazy. It wasn't that crazy. This is a sport yeah. where sometimes people shatter the backboard and like things collapse. Like this isn't that <laughs> weird. I know that no. doesn't happen anymore, but it used to. Like it, it's no. that's not. <laughs> it's fine. It's yeah. fine. Don't worry about it. Go, go, go enjoy the simple things in your life. Stop judging people for doing it. Agreed. Um, all right, Dom, before we go, um, you have a really, really good story coming up on uh, one Whitney Brown, the aforementioned Whitney Brown for Joy Athletic. A uh, little feature on him coming up next week. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, you know, I, I sort of accidentally created like this verse of a couple of weeks where I'm doing these like NPSO profile stories, but I didn't necessarily do on purpose. but um, but yeah, this upcoming week, I have an article uh, talking with, it's boring, the 
career of Whitney Brown, who of course is now with Joy Athletic, previously with Minneapolis City. This is just a guy who's lived a really interesting life, loves the game, so passionate about it, so passionate about playing that he's to kind of developed this mantra of play till you can't as he continues in you know his life um, awesome. growing, you know, a, you know, aging and and going through college, day now college, going through this amateur career that he's had. And um, we, we just talked about so many things. We talked about, you know, the, the various times where he's had chances to go pro, why that didn't work out. He was very honest about all that, which I appreciated from him. And he was also very honest about, you know, the, the highs and lows of his career that he's had at this level, at this sort of amateur semi-pro level. And, um, you know, uh, this is a guy that, by the way, as an extra draw point for people, this guy's technically a former loon. He played for Minnesota United Reserves in the PLA uh, back when Minnesota United was in the NASL. Their reserves played in the PLA, which was also the former league of Minneapolis City, actually, before they joined the NPSL North. Um, so, you know, this is just a guy who's kind of been there, uh, done that, and, and all sorts of levels, and, and has a lot of things to say about the game. And he and his brother, Martin Brown, who's also played for, for Minneapolis City and Joy Athletic, are, are, are really important figures in this level of the game in Minnesota. So I, I, I hope people check the article out, kind of realize, like, hey, I should learn more about these these guys and uh, and, and appreciate the... The, the role they've played in the development of the game at that community level in the state is uh, they're, they're undoubtedly important to it. And if you ask anybody that's been, you know, maybe worked at the NPSL club or followed a team a long time, they know these guys, they have nothing but good things to say about them. They are, they're really important parts of that story. So yeah, I appreciated his time and uh, I hope people check the article out next week when it comes out. Um, so really good timing here. This happening happening right before we go off the air, uh, but Colin Martin scored a goal for San Diego Loyal. Oh. Yeah, uh, currently as it stands in the nice. 57 minute one nil over the Oakland Roots in USL Championship action. So um, good for him, the former loon getting on the getting on the score sheet. So shout um, out to Colin Martin. Shout out Colin Martin indeed, and I can't think of a better way to end this week's podcast. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you to all of our great sponsors, Pence Homes, 9th Street Soccer and Coffee, and Stimulus Athletic for making all this possible. And, of course, Dom, thank you once again for being uh, my co-host. And how about we do it again next Wednesday? Maybe talk a little uh, Ford Madison, Minnesota United, U.S. Open Cup. Maybe recap that a little bit. Sound good? Yeah, I mean, if there's anything to talk about, we'll see. But yeah, it'll probably be something. It'll probably be something. We'll see. We'll see. Absolutely. Maybe we'll just do would you rathers for an hour and a half. We'll find out. But anyways, uh, no, we will be back uh, next week uh, with plenty to talk about. We promise. Until then, enjoy the uh, hopefully enjoy the Loons game this Saturday uh, against Colorado. Hopefully it's enjoyable either way, for better or worse. Post Loons will be live afterwards. So check us out for there. And then, of course, next Friday, a new episode of 10K in your feed as long as you're subscribed. All right. Have a good weekend, everybody. See you.